We're live, brother. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be a, a unique episode. This is like the the post-corona of, even though we're not post-corona, of uh, crunching the numbers. So we were talking a little bit earlier. I'm Brady, by the way. I'm Abdullah. Um, since you were talking about COVID, can I say something? Yeah. Um, I forget who told me this joke, but they said, you know, some kid asked his mom, he goes, if... If you have coronavirus, do you have to get Lyme disease too? <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. That's funny, dude. Uh, corona and Lyme, bro. You know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny, huh? Uh, I remember there was a, an article at one point that uh, like Corona beers was going to change their name uh, because of the whole thing. And, uh, I mean, it was fake news, right? But uh, it was just like, what kind of society do we live in that people can't, like tell the difference between coronavirus and like corona beers and like understand that like it's just an arbitrary word we assign to this uh this disease right well it, you have know you walked through salt lake have you walked through it uh not since the uh not since the black lives matter before marches, but i so i spent a lot of time actually in in salt lake because of my job have you walked like in like the like the main city like they have like where they have intersections and lights and mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. What I always thought was funny is when you get to the intersection and you're gonna cross at a crosswalk. Yeah. If you look down at the ground, it says look and it has arrows side to side. Yeah. I'm just curious how many people are walking around looking at the floor, that you know. Sudden, ha- suddenly now they have to look up at traffic. And now I have to turn <laughs> my head. You know. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think it's more common nowadays for people to be looking down, right? Because of our phones. Everybody's on their phone. Yeah. There's some weird places in Salt Lake. I'll talk about that a little later. I had some weird experiences recently. We've been doing some late night work for my job. And, uh, yeah, I've gone, a, I've gone a couple places down in Salt Lake where you're just like, this is weird. Like, it's sort of like kind of, uh, you watch a post-apocalyptic movie and there's like the rich people are living on the surface and then there's that like poor, uh, you know, group of people living in the sewer or whatever, like Demolition Man. I yeah. don't know if you've ever seen that. I have. Yeah, there, dude, that's like going on in Salt Lake. Like right now, it's happening. Well, there's a yeah. e- economic struggle taking place, that's for sure, and, and the gap's getting wider between those who have it and those who don't. Yeah, and I think Corona, uh, you know, for all the bad thing that it's done, I think it's sort of shown us where we're weak, right, as a – as a society, like just in the way that we take care of people, like it's still to this to this day, I'm still sort of like baffled. Like I understand we all need money to pay for things in this society, um, but it's just weird to sort of think that like uh, the banks can't say, "Hey, don't worry about your mortgage," you know, we'll 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 work it out in the end. And then the government can't can't say, "Okay, the banks are letting these guys not pay their mortgage, so we're not going to do whatever it is that we do." that bank and you know uh as far as like financial exchanges and and we can't just sort of like everything can't be put on pause right now because you know like i feel like we should be stopping evictions and things like that people are people are really stressed out they're losing their homes and and stuff like that over not being able to work and that's not their fault It, it almost seems to me sometimes like we have distanced ourselves from being human and connecting and caring about your neighbors and taking out their trash and you know, making sure that we drive at a cool speed through the neighborhood um, to protect children and, and old folks and dogs. You know, we're so economically based now that I, th- I think 
I think we're, we've gone delusional. You know, our, our agenda is no longer to take care of each other. It's about taking care of yourself. And Well, there's, I mean, I think there's a little bit of, everybody has a little bit of that uh, inside them where you're kind of like, if I'm not constantly taking care of myself, I'm going to lose ground, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, there's that concern that like, if, if, if I take a moment, if I take time out of my day to sort of like work on someone else's problems, my problems are going to become overwhelming and then I'm not going to have anybody to help me. Yeah, it's a problem, yeah. bro. You, you know, it, it's, it's a weird thing. It's beyond, it's beyond our needs, though. Like, I, I think that people are worried about the external, their aesthetics as yeah. an identification, and anything that reduces the aesthetic feel we have is an infringement upon our personal self. You yeah. Know? Um, I don't know. I've always thought it was weird that homeless people were treated like a burden or a, a stain of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, one time I decided, this was years ago, me and my brother-in-law decided to go do a day of homelessness. Like, I don't know, call it like inner city camping. Like sure. We went to Salt Lake. Um, we ended up staying in front of a church. It was freezing, dude, like cold. We were on a, on a ramp that was kind of blocked by a couple of walls so nobody could see us laying there. We actually ended up cuddling like to stay warm. To try to stay warm. Cold, yeah. you know. What did you uh, What did you take with you, <sighs> dude? Because I mean, you were in a situation where you were like, "Okay, I'm gonna go be homeless today." It's just an observation. Night. Yeah. It, yeah. I, <clears throat> dude, I mean, did you take like some jackets or gloves or? Oh no, I went there with nothing. I ended up trading in two of my rings for some food. So I had a couple of rings. I ended up just trading them for food. Um, which to me was, you know, which is more important, jewelry or, or eating, or eating, right? Yeah. Um, one of the coolest things I experienced was I was sitting on a bench with this homeless dude. I forget his name. Uh, back then, I wasn't paying that much attention to names, but um, yeah, I'll never forget the person. And uh, this dude, he said, uh, I explained to him what we were doing, and I said that we just wanted to see what it's like to live in the city you know, with no privacy and kind of going through this experience. And um, and it was weird because the first thing he did says, well, come with me. So we walk with him. He took us to this spot, bro, in the middle of the city where you wouldn't think to look. And he gave us a cardboard source. Like, you go there, you can get broken down boxes. This is where you get your cardboard. This is where you get your bed, man. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is a spot he relies on, knowing yeah. that we are not actually homeless. And he showed you what's and up. He, and he showed us how to survive. He, he was more human than I ever have experienced. And then I went and sat in front of a Carlos Jr. with my brother-in-law. And we had these signs, you know, and, and you know, that uh, the whole idea of, like, love your brother as you love yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wrote a sign that said, how do you love me, brother? <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting in front of a, a Carlos Jr. This is about five or six years ago. And I'm holding this sign. And so many people... I, I want to say 99 point, and I don't know that, but it's a high point something. Yeah. Percent of these people would make it a thing to not look at us. Mm-hmm. Like they, d- and I, I can't tell you when I saw a couple of kids look at me and smile, how much that meant. Just a smile. After being ignored. Right. Intentionally ignored. Not just ignored, oh. but like people went out of their way not to look at you. Yeah. Like if they looked at me, then they'd have to buy me a hamburger or, yeah. you know, I was a burden or whatever. And, and I wasn't asking for anything. Yeah. Um, and, and then it was crazy because that night it, it got cold and we ended up walking around. And me and him decided, me and my brother in law were like, it's too cold, man. Let's, let's go walk. So we walked around 
Um, and there was a cop that had a car pulled over. And I said, excuse me, officer, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I said, do you know where there's a warm spot for, uh, for us to go lay and sleep at? And this is Salt Lake PD. And his answer was, uh, all the warm places I know that people sleep in, I arrest them for sleeping in. So th- this, oh. yeah, yeah, very, the homeless guy who had nothing was more was struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that guy was a brother in the struggle, man. He definitely understood like how difficult it can be. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, uh, I don't know. I think sometimes it's, uh, it's easy to forget how hard things can be. Absolutely. When it's you have it well, especially yeah, when you're doing, when you're doing, I mean, even when you're not even doing well, you're just doing a little bit better than you were before. It's easy to, I mean, we, we, everybody always talks about their boss. Like he, he doesn't remember what it's like to do my job. That's why he's so hard on me. And, uh, I think it's true, you know, y- and that's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when we blame people, right? Like it's their choices that got them there. And right. I, I have yet to find somebody that you tell, do you want to eat healthy food for the day? And, and then tell you, nah, dude, I, I kind of just want to stink and run around the gutters, man. You know? Yeah. Um, it's a collective delusion, right? Thinking that you have to earn what you have. And I think it's funny when we think of our society as a democracy because what is the goal of democracy is to try to make sure everyone gets their needs met, everyone's being cared for, and the majority concern is, is where to start. Not that the minority is ignored, but we start with the majority. And I, I, I think from my own perspective, it, it, it looks like what we're fighting for in a democracy is starting at nothing yeah and fighting to have what everyone else has sure versus the idea of a functional communism where everyone starts with their basic needs sure um but when a government takes over like they prevent you from getting more but i I think we're fighting for equality at the bottom (sighs) it's weird because there's not a good solution like either extreme is bad sure Starting from nothing is bad, and then also like being provided for is also bad, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because either side of that coin can, I mean, you know, if, if you start with nothing, people are going to be left out, and then if you go to the other end where we start with everybody's provided for, then you just have lazy people. Both and both, I think both extremes are bad. So we have to find that weird middle ground, and that's uh, that's a difficult thing. That's a difficult discourse to have. I think it has to do with the value system. You know, we're we're putting value on things that are actually worth a lot less, which is why we had to give them a value. Like jewelry and food? Yeah, like man. Jewelry versus <laughs> food. Yeah. 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 So the elephant in the room, or maybe the elephant not in the room, the Justin's silhouette. not here. Yeah, he's not, man. Yeah. So just to kind of catch anybody up who's following along, Justin and I built the studio uh, for us and for the other podcast that I work on uh, as their producer. And Justin was like, this was his therapy, bro. He was coming in here like to vent. I mean, you can hear us uh, kind of me and you kind of were ribbing him in one episode. And then I started ribbing him after you had left because I was just kind of going along with it. And then I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, I should be able to talk more because this was kind of my plan. Right. Uh, But uh yeah, he's he's absent from the studio today, and you know I, I'm sure he'll be back. But uh, basically, with a combination of like Corona happening, uh, and then of course you know if you go back and listen to the podcast, Justin was getting into a new relationship, 
uh, after his, his divorce. Well, he's now moved to Park City. And... Uh, or the Park City area, I should say. Um, with uh, the woman that he's in his relationship with. So that distance plus a new relationship and you know how it is when you get into a new relationship you're just like you know it's a shiny new toy and you're excited to play with it and you're getting into it uh so with that and not only that he's also started a new job so he has i don't want to say relinquished his space here because he's always welcome but uh i've kind of been talking to him the last couple weeks about getting started again and trying to find somebody who i could do this with yeah. And about that time that me and him were talking about, you know, like I'm going to find somebody to continue the podcast with, um, you had contacted me because you had been on and also we're kind of working on your own show. Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of all kind of clicked where it was like, well, why don't, I mean, you and I kind of have the same ability to banter that Justin and I had. I'm not as interesting though, dude. Like Justin, you know what? I've I've heard stories from his life that he shared, and some sometimes he shares it a few more times as if I was never it was never heard. Yeah. And Justin's used to not being listened to. That's why he does that. But it's still interesting every time. Yeah. He's a really good he's a really good uh, orator. Like his storytelling abilities, he can really put you there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, even so like me and him, I think clicked so well because we were kind of raised by a similar personality type. Um, you know, if you, if you look at like what addiction does to people and sort of those like behaviors they pick up through addiction, I think, um, I, I was basically raised by the identical personality type that he was raised by, but 10 years later. Right. And even with that 10 year age gap between us, we had so much that we connected on that it became like an instant friendship with Justin. Yeah. 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 You, you know, it's funny too. And, uh, when I first met him, you know, uh, it was interesting because he's very natural to speak with. Um, he's a super open and accepting guy, right? Yeah. You're, you're you don't ever feel like you're weird with him. No, and I'm yeah. very weird, but I felt normal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting, you know, that it's, you know, I, I think some some, thi- some roles in life can be replaced. You can find somebody else to fit in a position or to do a, a certain task for the community or whatever. But I, I got to I don't think there is a replacement for Justin. I think yeah, you really couldn't. There's a void. Yeah. It. Well, I mean, not that. I shouldn't say you couldn't. That that's not that sounded worse. Or oh no, a piece of foam fell off the wall. Uh, not that. The goal is not to replace Justin. Justin right. will be back. Like he'll he'll I'm sure we'll have him on as a guest or whatever, and he'll fall right into the old role. Mm. He's one of my no maintenance friends. You know we talked about that earlier. You're one of my no maintenance friends. We can go. I mean, Corona kind of took over. Uh, all the podcasts that I was working on at the time just basically canceled. Yeah. Right and you know, people weren't working or, or, or dude, I lost my mind. I'll be honest with you. That, that quarantine for me, even though I never stopped working, um, the changes that we made at work, the social distancing changes and the, and the, uh, not being able to like go to your friends or have your friends over, uh, or just even go out and like meet people in public places. That was, uh, that was really difficult for me. I think I struggled. I I felt that too. You know, I, uh, 
I miss going to the mosque, bro. Like, I used to go to the mosque yeah. every evening. I, we're supposed to go for the five prayers, but I can mm-hmm. only make it for one or two of them a day. Sure. And and then you do the rest of your calls at home, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, or, w- or wherever you happen to be. Yeah, and, and the, I, it was kind of an intimate group because there was only about four or five of us that were showing up, you know, for that evening yeah. experience. And uh, I miss that, man. Like, I miss... So, so are, th- are they currently closed? Uh, yeah, like the just straight up closed. Yeah, they're closed. Okay. Uh, there is one that's that's that is open. Um, it's weird because we have to do six feet apart. There's a limit to how many people can be in the building. Now, I mean, generally, do you? I mean, is there a lot of embracing going on at these meetings? Because I've never been to I've never been to a, an Islamic service. Never. No. Well, I mean, I've been in a couple of mosques. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I think I remember I told you about going to get my dad a, a Quran. Yeah. Uh, because he. Uh, he had a lot of hateful things to say about Islam or, or Muslims or, you know, whatever his, his rhetoric was at the time. But, um, and I was like, no, you know, you, you don't you, like you're misrep you're, you're misrepresenting an entire category of people. And I was like, yes, you know, it's like the same conversation you and you and I have had. And I know I frustrate you in the sense that like religion, you know, the way it impacts the world bothers me. Well, the reason it bothers me is my dad's an atheist. Uh huh. But he's an aggressive atheist. Like yeah. he's a militant atheist. E- yeah, but yeah. verbally and emotionally, it's like I I feel like it's a I don't know. Like he has covert ops that he that he sends out against you with his words. You know. Uh, yeah. Making it feel like it's a it's a transgression against humanity for anyone to believe in God. You know. It's um. I have my problems, you know, but like me and you have talked and I've told you this before religion as you practice religion. I can get behind that. I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. But there are, you know, obviously there are sects of different groups, whether it's uh, I mean, there are Confucius uh, monks that ride on horseback in China and behead people for not being Confucius enough. Oh, and, you know, you'd like to think that Confucius monks would be some of the most people uh, peaceful people on the face of the planet. But. Well, if you're not using your brain, just get rid of it. There's that offshoot. <laughs> <laughs> there is that random offshoot. You know, it's like it's so there. There is that group of people that can take things um, to the other end of it, where it's no longer something that can be tolerated, right? Yeah. You know, and like we've talked about some of the uh, practices that I find distasteful, that you also find distasteful. And you're like, yeah, no, I don't. That's not something that I would condone or permit in yeah. my practice. Yeah. Um. So, shit, we're kind of where are we? Where are we? I, I said that I missed going to the mosque. Oh, yeah, you, COVID, yeah. My, my, COVID yeah. and stuff. And uh, so I've never been to the services. I mean, would you generally, like, do you, I mean, me and you hug when we meet, right? It's oh, always, bro. it's a brotherly hug. Like, you're, that, my, you're my bro. That's what I do. Yeah. I, so, I, I mean, I is that, are, I mean, uh, I mean, at, at the risk of sounding ignorant, I mean, is it weird to walk up to a friend in the mosque and, and hug another man. I mean, is that something that's frowned upon? Or no, I, I feel like it's weird and highly missed now that we can't do it. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, it's funny. Like some of my my bros in Ogden, you know, like that's how they used to refer to me. Like, hey, do you know Abdullah? And they're like Abdullah, like the hugger, the, the hugger. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're the hugger. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, uh, you You're know. a serial hugger, bro. Oh yeah, yeah. man. I gotta do it, man. Especially to people that are important. You know, I don't. It's a. Uh, you know, it's a scary. I, we all kind of panicked at this invisible enemy, right? And I mean, uh, it. I mean, it's very clear based off the statistics that it's it's doing harm. People are dying that shouldn't be dying, or should they? Well, I mean, it's, it's coarse. Uh, I mean, there are detriment. I mean, I. You know, 
that we, we could we could definitely get into that. That's probably a, a fate religious debate, right? Where we could talk about should they be dying? Like, was it just their time? Would they have died otherwise if it weren't for Corona? You know, I, I think it, it, it's when I say that it's it's fate or whatever. Maybe it's, Corona's it, the rapture, bro. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow! It's not as peaceful as we thought it would be. You know, for me, it's done two things. Coronavirus has shown me that that I definitely need to be worried about what I don't see um, in a way that is equal to what I do see. Um, sure. You know, but the other part of it, you know, is I think uh, that... Excuse me. I think that, for instance, like if I gave you a, a, a mango, mm-hmm. okay, and you tasted it, you would determine whether you like it or don't like it. Um but I think, you know, when we, when we look at that, the, the part that we are, you know, and if I tasted it, I said I didn't like it, and you did like it, you'd be like, Ryan, you're weird. It tastes so great, right? Yeah. But the one thing that we don't control. How about, like, cilantro, right? Like, the people that are genetically determined to think it tastes like soap. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of that? Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. yeah. My wife is that. That's crazy. Yeah. So whenever she eats cilantro, it's like chewing on dish soap. I wonder if like if their parents if her parents knew they might have been like you know you better not say bad words or I'm gonna wash your mouth with cilantro. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're gonna have Mexican food tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, one of the things I think is we always omit the fact that we have a taste bud we didn't decide. Yeah. How it would function. Yeah. You know the fact that we like it is a side effect of the taste bud itself. Yeah. Which we have no control over. Certainly. Do you are are there textures or foods that you absolutely hate? I hate cantaloupe. Cantaloupe, really? Yeah. To me, it, to me, it tastes bitter, and it has a weird smell and taste to it. I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know that I've actually eaten cantaloupe, or if I have, it wasn't, uh, it didn't like stick out in my mind of something that was good or bad. And growing up, it was like I think it was the cheapest fruit or something because there was tons of it in every fruit salad. I hated it. Yeah. And it, it, and the juice contaminates everything. Oh yeah. My my problem is, I'll tell you what really pisses me off, and there's a couple of things that do it, but it's like things that crunch when you're eating something that shouldn't be crunchy. Uh, so, like, if I'm eating, like, my mom used to make, uh, I can't even remember, I don't know what you'd call it. I guess it'd be like an egg salad. Okay. And so there'd be, like, uh, pasta, and then she would, like, bust up eggs, and then there'd be some mayo and some mustard put in there, and then... Uh, I think she would dice up olives and pickle. celery. Oh, celery! Yeah, she wouldn't do pickle. So now, maybe okay. So now, now that you say that, I'm gonna have to dig into this in <laughs> my mind a little bit because uh, there. So uh, well, okay, I'll just use tuna fish as an example. I like tuna, fi- so I'll make tuna fish sandwiches, and then I like to dice up pickles and throw that in there. And or I don't know if it's called. I don't know if you dice pickles, but like you just sliver it up or whatever. But um, and I love it. Pickles, with pickle. pickles have no rights. You could do whatever you want. You could dice them, slice them. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, they don't care. Um, Even if they did, it doesn't matter. They don't have rights. Yeah, yeah. fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid little. You know what I always say, right? No. Cucumber's just a pickle waiting to happen. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I th- I'll, like, I'll dice up a pickle and throw it in my, my tuna fish sandwich. And just, you know, so it's just randomly spread out throughout the tuna fish. And then I eat the sandwich and, like, I like the random hit of pickle here and there. But my mom would uh she would she would slice up uh celery and that celery would find its way into the tuna fish and then i'd eat the sandwich and just like oh i'd hit that crunch that and just like oh fuck i can't eat the sandwich anymore i throw you off that bad huh? fuck this whole sandwich and so she would she put so like she makes 
two pasta or two of those uh, types of salads now when we do like family parties and stuff. And like a smaller version for me, and then everybody else gets the one with celery. Oh, that's dope. You're special, man. I fucking hate crunchy shit that shouldn't. So like, if I'm eating ice cream and I hit a nut, now I like nuts. I'll sit and eat almonds. I'll sit and eat peanuts. I love uh, pistachios. Probably one of my favorite nuts. But if you give me, you know, like you give me pistachio flavored ice cream and then down at the bottom, I hit a pistachio or halfway through I hit a pistachio that, you know, like, I don't know if it was mixed in on on purpose or whatever. Uh, same with any kind of like chocolate ice cream that someone's like stuck some almonds or some nuts in like Rocky Road or whatever. Yeah. Instantly, I don't want to eat that anymore. Huh? Yeah. Like pe- uh like pizza with crunchy vegetables. Fuck off. I wonder why. I don't know. I hate it. I hate it, though. And then another thing, too, if you want to screw with me, this, me and my wife. Uh, Is that an invitation? Huh? Is that an invitation? Yeah, totally. Okay. It's all, it's yeah, what if, if you want to screw with me, like, this is the, this is the way to do it. But my wife, uh, she made uh, some quin- quinoa quinoa wraps, mm-hmm. so which are like, uh, they're like a little grain yeah. pasta. Quinoa kind of, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, quinoa. Or quinoa. Quinoa. Fuck, I don't know. I'll ask her later. The but grain with the Q. Got it. Yeah. It's uh so they look like little balls of pasta, but it's like a grain and you cook it like pasta. So she made quinoa wraps. So it was like uh you know, it was just like a wrap, it's in the tortilla and it's got the whatever's in there. Oh, excuse me, I get a little hiccup. Oh, sorry. Uh the so she made like a basically a pasta salad with the quinoa and so it was chilled and then in this wrap. And so when I looked at it, in my mind, I'm looking at this, like, cooked pasta product that I'm adding to this wrap. So I'm picturing when I put this in my mouth, it will be warm. I bite into this wrap, and it's chilled, like, out of the fridge, and I almost threw up on the plate. I was just like, ugh. Wow. Yeah, and I got all pissed off. Like, I wasn't pissed off at my wife, but I was like, I instantly had this, like, fight or flight response to it. Mm. Like, I was like, what the fuck? This yeah. is bullshit. I was super. I was like angry about it. When I was a kid, my mom, me and my sisters laugh about this once in a while, but my mom made this. I don't know what it's called in English. Um, but like there was, it's it's called atol de elote, which is like a, it's like a corn corn meal, soup kind of breakfasty thing, you mm-hmm. know. But she, there was two versions of it. One of them had chunks of corn kernels, and one of them had. It was like a pink gelatinous, like, I don't know. I could see like a cyborg using it as like fake, like organs or something. It was really disgusting looking and it tasted even worse because it tasted like water and residual taste of Tupperware. Interesting. Yeah, man. And she would feed that in one time. My mom gave it, you know, served it to all three of us and walked out of the kitchen and on top of the fridge was this huge jar, like a like a two and a half gallon jar that would have been like for pickles or something, but it was full of white granules, which I thought was sugar. Uh huh. And so me and my sisters looked at it, looked at each other. I reached up, grabbed it. We dumped like two or three scoopfuls in each bowl and put it back up and stirred it. And we're so stoked to like fool my mom that we liked it with sugar. <laughs> Lo and behold, it was salt. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, uh, did I, I? Did I? I've probably talked about it, but I was doing that half marathon, and uh, 
I don't know, maybe because it was my first half marathon, I didn't understand the protocol or whatever, but I, I grabbed a Gatorade instead of a water at one of the water stands. Because they, you know, they usually have like paper cups or whatever where you can grab a water as you run by. Yeah. And uh, I went to go grab a water. And instead of putting like cool, refreshing water in my mouth to just sort of like rinse that like runner's spit out of my mouth, I like threw back a lukewarm orange Gatorade into my mouth and like instantly was like, oh my God. Oh. Like when you're expecting something and then you get hit with something else. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried to stop expecting things. And one of the things that I, I've been learning through therapy is uh, the word should is the one that keeps getting in my way with my parenting or with my goals. Yeah. Should uh, can be uh, re-expressed as does not. Right? Like people should respect their neighbors and replace it and people do, do not, not respect their neighbors and so therefore when i remove the should for w- the what is i'm a little less disappointed i get that i could totally see that like you tell your your son you should clean your room or i tell my daughter you should clean your room and then instead you're now there's there's a little bit more intention behind it to where it's like why don't you clean your room Right. What's the problem? Yeah. Yeah. That puts a little bit more intention behind it. I like that. Yeah. It, it's it's interesting. You yeah. Know? Um, one of the things, you know, that I've been struggling with uh, for the past 15 or 16 years now, going soon to be 17. Yeah. Is raising another human being. Um, you know, it, it's, it sounds like it's easy. I thought, like, the fact that me and my wife were able to uh, – take part in in the existence of another person um, we didn't think it was going to be as hard as it is you know Um, a lot of emotions wrapped up in it and uh, a lot of concern but it a lot of our disappointments or our struggles come from assuming that what should is what must be yeah and and you know there's there's it's it's very enlightening to see that the other person you're doing something for you're actually doing less for them if they don't want it interesting you know i I feel like if i try to force my son to do homework for instance um he actually does worse at it if i'm the reason or the push versus accepting and maybe trying to invite him to do it you know sure i gotta uh i gotta take a break yeah, let's take a break. Man. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that, dude. That just came over me. I had to go. It's natural. It's the thing we do, right? Yeah. Yeah, not much you can do about it. So um, as we've been talking, you and I, you know, we're kind of lining up our plans to get, like, you want your show to continue on, and then obviously I want this to continue on because I feel like even though we don't really have – expertise or whatever we're not we're not experts in any field but people enjoyed listening to justin and i and and you justin and i and and the other people that we brought in and you know i saw a listenership starting and then of course corona hit and it kind of screwed everything up you know but we were talking about storytelling and you, and you were talking about detour details and storytelling because justin can like paint a picture with words oh yeah you you feel sometimes like you're there like if yeah. you're a liar and you heard him tell a story, you might accidentally tell that same story as if it was you. You could retell that story. Like yeah. you, like being you, though. You Have know, you ever heard anybody tell a story that happened to you, but 
from I have I, I don't remember what it is now, but I have heard stuff come out of people's mouths, and I'm like, oddly enough, <laughs> I understand that completely. I yeah. even feel the feelings in it, you know, <laughs> like my uh, my uh, I didn't hear it, but I remember my ex-wife being pretty upset about it. Um, something that happened to me, and I don't even remember what it was. And I wish my ex-wife would did would have been more clear with me as to what had happened, but something had happened to me. And then me, my ex-wife and my dad were at the, the diesel shop where okay. we worked. And, uh, at the same place you and I had worked together where, yeah. where we met and we were picking something up. Like he'd gotten permission to grab like an old tool or something. And, uh, he told the guy in the shop a story that had happened to me. And my wife was like, she's now my ex-wife, but at the time she was my wife, was like, the fuck? And I think I was busy, like, loading the thing, whatever yeah. it was we were picking up. Weird you out. And I never heard it, and then she told me that later on, and I was like, what? Yeah. That's an interesting thing that has happened there. I think people do it, man. I think, I think we're, you know, this whole podcast thing, actually, the one that I told you that me and you should get rolling on you know one of the things i feel bro and and you know i i believe it's the devil man like trying to convince me that i i shouldn't try something that because i i, I almost feel like i'm i'm invalidating myself and like i'm not that important also you just said like we don't have expertise we don't have yeah. these accolades of degrees and diplomas we did we didn't go do all these entrepreneurships across the world and you know, did yeah. Some, you know what I mean. We've got a PhD in being us, though, right? Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, but but I I feel so many times that they make it seem like you can't do anything for people if you're not Malcolm X or Gandhi or you know Dr. King. You you can't. You're not as interesting as Dr. Phil. You're you don't have as much to to offer if you're comparing yourself to other people. And I think that phobia, I mean, cause we're not perfect people either. So they try to scare you with like, for instance, embarrassing movie stars or whatever mm -hmm. with their, with their mistakes, you know, or, or things that they've said in their past or relationship problems, yeah. which we all have. That kind of get like that cancel culture. Yeah. Yeah. But even if you're not doing it for fame, it's like, you don't want to put yourself out there because you're not perfect. Sure. Um, even though, that those imperfections are human like yeah and and so you know i'm, I'm kind of glad that you're doing this you know and 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 i'm sure that i'm not the only one that you've motivated to feel like nothing's not important unless you don't use it <laughs> yeah well it's uh i mean the, the whole point of putting the studio together when when justin and i sat down and sort of like came up with this plan was it's not just a conduit for us to talk about our things but there's all kinds of there's all kinds of you know you you, you talked about like dr phil like i don't know whether or not he's actually a doctor right and i've heard i've seen things uh or read articles or whatever that sort of like what he does is not true uh psychology or psychiatry or whatever his doctorate is supposed to be in um it's just a show and maybe that's true. I don't know. I never really followed the show. But just because just because I didn't dedicate eight years of school to learn how to be a urologist 
uh, doesn't mean that I can't talk about the experience of having a penis. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but I mean, there's always that, there's always those people out there that have had interesting experiences that I think are important to talk about and share. You know, like nobody talks about, um, we had, Justin and I had a guy on who's a tow truck driver and he has seen terrible things being a tow truck driver. Right. Because, I mean, you think about, you know, high-speed impacts and collisions, there tend to be bodies from time to time, right? Yeah. And I don't know that he's ever really gotten the help that he should have for some of those traumatic events, right? Yeah. And the best way that I can think to draw attention to that, whether it's like PTSD for soldiers or abuse victims or whatever, or not victims but survivors, um, let's talk about it. Let's have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think that we're we're geared to believe that we have to have it all figured out. We have to know the <laughs> end of our life before we even start it. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. And don't you feel like you're kind of behind the curve because you're like, why? I don't know what I'm where I'm supposed to be going with this. I know I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know the end of the book. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. wandering, but I'm not lost. I just yeah. I just don't know where I'm headed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Know? Um, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to put it. You know, it, even it, it, I think it's one of the things that I, I don't like about the atmosphere around um, religion. Like, for instance, in Islam, you know, I'm a Muslim, bro. I, I pray my five daily prayers. Mm-hmm. You know, I I try to adhere to the dietary restrictions. Um, but I'm not a representative of an entire group of 1.6 billion people. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that I have to prove that I'm not the one guy who said he's Muslim and beats his wife, you know, or, I, you know, we're, we're all in the, I don't, I don't feel you have to be anyone other than Brady to be Brady. I, I don't think you have to defend all the possibilities of what you'd be interpreted to be. Sure. You know, before you get a chance to just be you. And yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I, I, I feel that, that everyone's important, and, and to feel that way is hard. That's the challenge, is to remember that you're here because no one else can be you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the human experience is so varied and so wide. I mean, like, y- you talk about uh, your your faith, uh, and then, of course, there's my not faith. I don't know what you would call atheism, but... Uh, it's a different faith, right? Because you have faith that you're right. Uh, you don't have proof that not God exist that God doesn't exist. I don't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, we t- we talked about it at one point, and right. I think it's a it, it's become a contentious point uh, with some people, where I've had people be like, "Well, you don't have proof he doesn't exist," and I was like, "Well, I never claimed that I did," and in fact, I could be wrong. Right. There could be a God. I'm just saying that thus far, the evidence presented to me. Uh, is not substantial enough for me to prostate myself. One of the things I like was Malcolm X. Uh, there's a clip somewhere on YouTube you could find that uh, he kind of says, you know, people, it's uh, his kind of his view on God where he's like, you know, when people say, do you believe in God or whatever, the question is, well, what do you define as God? Because this person that's, you know, like when you see two baseball teams, you know, go and, and both teams, you know, are asking God to help them win. Are they asking the same God? Like that's, yeah. You know, and and so, 
for me and 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 the way i i feel about it is there is a general understanding as to what we mean when we say god right but i think that one of the things i refuse to allow is for somebody else to define for me not only who god is but my my existence and the relationship with him you know what i mean like i don't think it's the right for somebody else to determine for me why I'm here. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that's that's one of the hardest parts for people to accept is that, you know, everybody that doesn't have the identical views, you know, could be assaulted as being against those views. And it's like, no, man, you know, I'm not here again. I don't believe what I believe against anyone. I believe what I believe for a purpose, you know? Yeah. Um, I was going to look up, uh, Abraham Lincoln had a funny, well, uh, not funny, but he had a quote about, uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, two baseball teams praying, uh, praying to win. Yeah. Yeah. And Abraham Lincoln said that, uh, we both claim to have God on our side or something like that. Um, he said something about, uh, God, what did he say? Something about, uh. God is supposed to be just and because of the crimes of our nation we should pray that he's not. Wow. In in talking about slavery. Oh wow. And and the war. Right. And, uh, it wasn't until I think the bodies started to pile up uh, is when he said that, but he said something like God is supposed to be just and uh due to the crimes of our nation we should pray that he's not. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty I like this. I just happened to I was just looking I was trying to find that quote. And uh, I just read this off the top of the screen, but it says, when I do good, I feel good. When I do bad, I feel bad. That's my religion. Abraham Lincoln. Knowing right from wrong, man. Yeah. You know, it, I think I think it's a rough place to be when you have to define the reasons why you're you. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, if I gave you a bibliography to my life, you still might not agree with me. Sure. You know, if if I explain to you how I cook, you know, I, I've had conversations with people where I tell them about a food or something, like uh, somebody that likes eggplant maybe telling me about it, and I say, I, I don't like eggplant, you know, I just don't like it, and they assume that it's because I haven't tasted it a certain way, you know. <laughs> You're and like, no, it's a texture, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah and I, I'm willing to prove it. I'll throw up on your dinner table if that's what you want, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I don't like it, you know, and, and I feel the same way with religion, man, like, you know, prophets or gurus or whatever, you know, deliver information to the same groups of people. Yeah. And in those groups of people, there's a group that agrees and accepts it, and there's a group who rejects it. Right. And there's a group who just doesn't give a damn. <laughs> like, right, that guy's just interfering with the, the programming, you know, like you're just an interruption. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel that, it, uh, you know, like this whole, uh, like this Black Lives Matter movement and, and, and it's got started by police abuse and mistreatments, you know. I think we're failing to see that it's not a skin color problem, you know. It's it's a power problem, you know. And we're made to feel powerless, you know, to the point where nobody would would push a police officer off of somebody. And 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 we get yeah, we're afraid of that, right? Well, they have a gun, you know. Yeah. That gun's not there so that they can you know, shoot you with water. Like, well, and, and they win. Sure. Even if, even if you don't get 
convicted, you're still going to get, you'll still spend time in jail. Sure. Yeah. You're getting, you're getting cuffed sure. if you interfere with those cops. Um, regardless, they still win. Even if you don't, like I say, get convicted and have to spend time in prison and pay fines or whatever, you're still going to, there's going to be a huge disruption in your life. And there's no accountability for when they in you know, uh, uh, falsely jail you or uh, cite you. Yeah, when yeah. I was uh, or summons or whatever. I was I was fourteen. I was about fourteen years old. I was running from a friend's house. My buddy. I was sitting on his handlebars of his bike. It's like two in the morning, um, and we're cruising. You know, through a, a, a grocery store parking lot. We come out the driveway. He goes out into the street a little bit, cuts back, and goes back up on the sidewalk so we could head where we're going because of the momentum. Sure. And uh, a sheriff pulled over, shined the lights on us, stopped us, you know, because it's two in the morning and, you know. A couple kids on a bike. Yeah, it's got to be a crime. So, yeah, so that's they a had, crime. <laughs> they, had to, they had to investigate, you know. And yeah. I ended up spending 72 hours in jail, man. For riding a bike home. For being on a bicycle, handlebars. Yeah. You know, and the reason was is because they could, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that, you And know, there's no accountability to it. They don't, the guy that threw you in there, he didn't lose anything. Right. That's a, the frustrating part to me. So, I mean, like, I, <coughs> I was talking to my dad about it, and my dad's probably, he's pretty conservative. Uh, in the in the political sense, okay. right? So he he tends to side with. Uh, that term <laughs> bugs me, by the way. Like conservative. I wish I wish I had a better way to put it. I know, but it's the only way to describe it, right? right I get it. The most people would understand. I gotta get a little drink. I got like an itch in my throat. I've always interpreted conservative, you know, as a label to make me believe that they're trying to protect something. Protect something. It. And and, and I then you look at like liberal progressive, and it's like, oh, they're trying to advance something, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's not. And both and both of those definitions are good. They are, but they're twisted. But they're twisted. Yeah, because yeah. it's not what we think. Sure. Us, us, us on the in in the human side of it, not the political side of it. Yeah, conservative to be our families, food, shelter, healthcare. Totally. Their conservative is agendas. So. <laughs> As I, I kind of, I, there are things I don't talk about with my dad, right? And it's just because when we have those conversations, neither one of us walks away feeling good out of, uh, out of it, right? Whether it's, uh, I vape, uh, and my dad smokes and he argues with me about the negative impacts of health, uh, uh you know, that vaping has to do on your health. And I'm sort of like, bro, I mean... You're smoking. And he's like, well, I would prefer that you went back to cigarettes than continue to vape. And then, of course, I have to have that conversation that, like, you clearly don't understand the science. And you also don't understand where the money is coming from in what you're hearing on the on the news and the radio about the harmful effects of vape. Sure, vaping is not good for you, right? Sure. Sure. But the money going into making vape look bad is coming from cigarette companies because they're losing customers to vape, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously there's, you know, they have that. But so we started talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. And I I was actually kind of shocked. 
I didn't expect to hear what I heard from him. And he was, uh, you know, very positive. Of course, you know, he supports everybody's right to peacefully protest and to uh, be able to walk down the street and not be afraid of cops just because of the color of their skin and that kind of thing. And he was, I was actually somewhat shocked. I didn't expect to hear so much positiveness out of him. And he said that he had watched the uh, George Floyd video, which, um, you know, it's a hard video to watch. I don't know if you've watched the whole video. Yeah, I did. My dad was like, nobody deserves to die like that for any reason. And uh, I was shocked. I expected to hear like, well, okay, that video shows two minutes, but what happened before that? You know, I, I expected the sort of typical thing you're hearing uh, from from the, again, I, you know, I hate to say conservative, but the, you know, the... The guys that are arguing against the riot are typically saying, yeah, well, but what was his behavior like before they got him on the ground? And it's like, does it really matter? Did he deserve to... To to me, that's what I say, ultimately. Does it really matter? Does DCFS, uh, the Department of Children and Family Services, do they care about the reason that you beat your kid for? (laughs) You know what I mean? Nope. No. Exactly. That's a great great way to put it. I love love that, that, uh, an argument from that point. That's great. I mean, I'm sure there's reasons that were justified in, in the person abusing um, for the abuse. But what I think the problem is, is that we, we, we have made it a way where police officers are responsible for the state of being of a community versus supporting the mm-hmm. community and staying in its state of being that it wants to be in. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, Unfortunately, when you deal with so many people that are per- performing things that are against the community, you sure. start to assume and look for symptoms and start misdiagnosing. Like that guy, well, I don't know who he is, and I don't know whether or not he was polite or, or you know, whether he was in accordance with what he's being told to do. Mm-hmm. But I do know that that police officer responded to a situation in a way that he felt was right and he has a gun and nobody stopped him yeah there was a four of them four police officers and the people with the camera filming it yeah nobody stopped it you know and and i think it's interesting that it got turned into he's the martyr you know for people that have suffered from police abuse based on skin color yeah but why didn't the person filming do something yeah. You know, I mean, how much how much control over our actions do police officers have where a person won't run to knock them off of the person they're killing because they might kill them? Yeah. Well, there's it's like I was saying, there's no recourse. And that's where the conversation went with my dad was. And this is if you were to ask me, how would I reform police? Um, I would make it a um, I would make it so that there's accountability. So let's say, you know, you, Abdullah, you hop in your car, you're driving home and you get pulled over. Cop pulls you over and he's like, hey, you know, do you have any idea how fast you were going? And you're like, well, I set my cruise, but maybe I said it incorrectly. I don't know. And he writes you a ticket for doing 55 and a 35. And you're like, no, no, no way. So you then let's say you go to the auto mechanic. The auto mechanic downloads the ECM data from your car and shows that your speedometer is properly calibrated 
and that your ECM at the time of the ticket writing was set at 35 and your, you know, again, your, your speedometer was perfectly calibrated. And then you go to court, you go to the judge and you say, um, the judge says, okay, Abdullah, you've been charged with 55 and a 35. And I'm just for, I don't know what the number would be, but so the fine is a hundred, $120, or you can spend five days in jail. And you say, I'd like to plead not guilty. Here is my evidence. And then the judge would look at your evidence and say, okay, your speedometer is properly calibrated. Your ECM was set to 35 at the time of the incident. And these are all proved in documents that we can reproduce. Um, I'm overturning the ticket, right? Mm -hmm. So now you walk out of there. When you walked in, you were threatened with a $100 fine and seven days in jail. So let's say the dollar value for seven days in jail is whatever it costs the county to keep you in there. We'll just throw out a random number again, another hundred bucks, right? Mm. That's how much it costs them to keep you in there for the seven days or the five days. Um, so now we're up to a grand two hundred dollars. You won. I think the officer who wrote the ticket should then lose two hundred dollars. I I could see that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so if yeah, so if a cop pulls you over and accuses you of drunk driving, you lose your license. You lose da 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 da. Whatever goes on in the process he has to be so sure that you broke the law that he's willing to bet the same thing that you would lose uh you know so i mean it's like if you and i playing poker and we both got 50 bucks on the table you got to be sure the cards you've got in your hand before you lay them down on the table for that to to walk away with that hundred bucks i I think that we're dehumanized right like i was listening to this whole thing on uh we're like on maritime law or admiral admiralty or admiral maritime law where our our being and you know numbers and all that stuff is not that that we're citizens as far as people who have a right to drive the country but we're property of we're products um you know when you send your kid to school you're sending them out there to be a product not to be a person as they don't really learn about the significance and importance of their emotions. Um, they're not taught about hygiene properly. I mean, elementary school kids drink milk that has sugar in it and all these sweets, and I have yet to see a 10 minutes of brush your teeth time. You know, you teach your kids to brush their teeth at home, send them to school, they feed them crap, and they don't brush their teeth till they get home maybe. Yeah. You know. We used to do fluoride when I was in school. Oh. Did you ever do that? Uh, no, I was pretty pretty sedated anyway. <laughs> no, <I'm just> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I yeah, we, we would do, well, not do fluoride, but they would, like, bring around little cups of fluoride uh. in the middle of the day, and you would, like, rinse it in your mouth, and then you had to spit it out. Yeah. I don't, uh, but, I mean, I feel like, you know, you talk about the extent of, like, the education. We probably talked about brushing our teeth in health class one time every year. It yeah. wasn't important enough to discuss. You know, I think it's weird, too, like when we talk about, you know, this Black Lives Matter, you know, there was an all lives matter aspect that was coming out that was interpreted to diminish the value of black lives of black lives. Yeah. Um, I I don't I, I think it's important, you know, that people that have been abused, you know, be highlighted as generally abused more than others. But there are families that are separated and destroyed at the border regularly. You know, they're, mm-hmm. you know, it, unjustifiably too. Right. Well, justified by somebody, but you know. Yeah. But it's wrong, and yeah. uh, 
I, I just think it's, again, we're, we're, we're stuck looking at personalities, you know, and, and images versus realities and, and people, you know, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel bad that we don't realize that we are all responsible for that dude's death and, and the many people who have been abused by police officers in the past or, yeah. or, or, or drunken husbands and wives. And you know what I mean? Like we're responsible for it because we don't talk about this stuff the way it should. And, and I thought it was weird anyway, like when I was in school, how they always promoted, you know, uh, the freedom of slaves, you know, through a, through a, a movement. And I'm thinking like, if I beat the crap out of my wife, like a couple years and then i make myself not do it am i the hero <laughs> right <laughs> you know right yeah <laughs> well i mean i think a lot of that got whitewashed through reconstruction right um there's a there's an interesting it's called a mockumentary so it's just basically uh, uh it's a it's not a documentary but it's a sort of like well what if uh it's available on youtube it's a csa confederate states of america what if the south had won and there's a portion in that video. So it's it, it's basically showing like a documentary of like from now, if we were looking back at what if the South had won? What if one of the battles had turned and it didn't turn out the way we expected it to? And there's a point in that uh, where they talk about reconstruction and how they sort of like changed the definition of the war to look a little bit differently to get the North and the South reunified, right, under the now Confederate States of America. And uh, I remember sitting there with my wife. Uh, we were watching it together. And this is just recently. Uh, I've watched it before in the past, but I wanted to show it to her because it, it had some interesting points and stuff in it. And uh, she was like, God, it'd be that easy, wouldn't it? And I was like, well, I've watched a lot of documentaries on the Civil War and I've read a lot of books. And like Shelby Foote is one of my favorite author authors. Uh, and he wrote volumes, I think about the civil war in, in in a sense that maybe not maybe not a huge amount of books but the books that he put out really delve into some of the deep issues and and the battles and like the struggles of the civil war soldiers and i was like in a sense that's what we did you know like we changed the definition of the war to unify these the two separate groups of people there's a there's a book called uh understanding the f word um fascism i think in american politics mm -hmm. by a guy, a guy named david mcgowan mm -hmm. and when in the beginning of the book uh the word fascism uh he gives a definition he said you know from miriam webster i believe was the dictionary that he used but um a, a pre-1980 edition you know explains one that has the traits and attributes of our government today uh, and even the society as as a as part of it, and then the post like nineteen eighty or eighty one definition with a few things removed from it so that it's more Nazi and not us well you remember nineteen eighty four yeah the book yeah. by George Orwell we talked about him a little bit uh I don't think we were recording then, but that's what they do they change words yeah, yeah. Ch change change, change the meaning of the word yeah and and i I think that that's one of the things about it you know when we look at religion or we look at our identities we're not so much worried with the appearance or the image we want the meaning to be there like if i look a certain way it's not because i want you to see me it's because i want to mean something to you right 
you know yeah and, and and if we change meanings then we change definitions and and it's happened you know it's well you you look at the word we talked about conservative and liberal how those two things have been hijacked to mean either something very positive to you or something very negative to you and yeah. really they're just they're both technically good words but we've labeled them in such a way that and not just labeled them but mo- like mobilized huge uh, swaths of our of our population to identify as one or the other and so there's people that are straight up voting for somebody who does something they don't like just because they don't like the other guy more based off of a label yeah yeah it's a it's a a divided world we're living in you know um yeah even with like religion man it's like i i I like thinking of religion because it's one of the most prominent parts of our lives you know some people's lives well, you know, <laughs> I think everyone has a relationship with their own existence sure. and, and, and whatever that is, is personal, you know, but I think when we step into the world of proclaiming our belief system or, or identifying with the religion, you know, we, we add a meaning to our life mm-hmm. and, and I, I think it's unfortunate that we've allowed other people to give us the meaning versus us exposing what we meant right and um you know like being black i don't know what that's like but i don't think it's much different than anything else you know it's got pros and cons to it you know one you have a higher chance of being vitamin d deficient Mm -hmm. like if you don't get enough sunlight your body's starving yeah you know uh, a pro to it um don't sunburn as much, I guess, you know, I don't know, but I, I've never felt it. Right. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, dude, when I was, when I joined the army, like I was raised in Utah. Right. And I had, I had friends who were black, but I never really looked at them as being black. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't an issue. Like secondary. It, it just, it like, it wasn't, it didn't change. Like if you'd have been, if you'd have walked up to me and I was hanging out with my buddy, uh, I won't say his name, but if Jim. I was, yeah, whatever it is. But if you walked up to me and you're like, hey, you know your friend's black, right? I'd have been like, oh, yeah. Well, I guess that's technically true. But what is that? He's still my friend. I don't understand the difference. It So it was never something that was like really in the forefront of my mind. Like I was never really exposed to like what I would call like systematic racism or anything like that. Like I was never, I mean, you know, we learned about sl- slavery in school. And we learned that, you know, that they were mistreated and that, that that was wrong. And so I was like, yeah, of course that's wrong. I wouldn't want to be a slave. Why would someone else want to be a slave? That's terrible. And so, like, the idea of my friend being black, it was never really, like, in the forefront of my mind. And then when I joined the Army, uh, I got paired up with my battle buddy in basic training, and he was black. And so there came a point where uh, one of the guys that I shared sort of, like, space with, he was uh, across from me. Right. So my battle buddy is next to me. And then this other guy is across from me. And this other guy had like a chip on his shoulder. He had been like systematically abused and did not necessarily trust white people because of that abuse, which, you know, I can't hate the guy for that at all. Yeah. Um, but he brought it to the forefront of my mind that like there's a difference. Like he really put put that out to me that there's a difference. And I was just kind of like. 
so I finally, I, I turned, I turned to my battle buddy and I was like, Hey man, um, this is probably going to sound really weird. Um, especially cause we've been like sleeping in a tent together for the last, like and when I say a tent, it's a, it's, they're called shelter habs. And so one guy carries half of the tent, the other guy carries the other half. And then when you go to sleep at night, you put the two together and really it's two men sleeping in like the space of this desk right here. Very close. Yeah. And so I was like, this is probably going to sound weird, especially like the, cl- the close proximity that we've been in, but I, I don't understand things that the other guy's talking about. And you're going to have like, you don't get sunburnt. And he was like, yeah, we do. But you yeah. know, like not in the same way. It's, it's a little different. And then I was like, so then he explained ashy to me at one point. Cause that had come up as yeah. a, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't know. And then I also didn't realize that like the difficulties, like he had uh really, uh, really curly hair. Right. The, yeah. um, I don't even want to say typical, but, uh, you know, he had to do, it was difficult for him in basic training to get the products that he needed to care for his type of hair. And whereas I'm just sort of like wandering around, not even thinking about it to him, he's like struggling to just do like basic care stuff because it wasn't, no one was really thinking about it for him. And then eventually he, he found what he needed or whatever. But I was just like, I didn't know that, you know, like a lot of the black guys that we were in basic training with would get shaving profiles because when they shave, that really curly hair tends to get ingrown and cause yeah. pain, painful bumps and that kind of thing. And he showed me an ingrown hair one time. He popped it and got the hair out. And he, dude, it looked like a coiled fucking spring out of like a pen. Yeah. And it was like sharp. You ever, you ever, you ever been allowed to, to feel somebody's hair that has hair like that? Um, it's I so d- cool. I don't know if allowed <laughs> is the right word. Yeah. Cause when I was in AIT shortly after basic training, um, actually fooled around with a girl who was black i actually liked her hair but she hated it you say was she changed well i don't <laughs> i don't know what she's doing now so yeah. yeah so i shouldn't say was but yeah so i mean i felt bad at that point i felt bad because i was like well i've really been sort of like ignorant to the issues of people you know and i don't like the word race uh with my understanding of evolution you know, the difference between a Great Dane and a Chihuahua is really not that much. I mean, it's like less than one-tenth of one percent. Three feet or so. Well, I mean, <laughs> they look drastically different, yeah. but they're still little tiny, you know, they're wolves that have been changed by mankind. And so I look at, like, black people, Asians, white people, or whatever. Um, there's these surface details that we really, s- a lot of people seem to put stock and value into are so minuscule. It, but they're important, though. They're important. And I'll say like this. I, I think there's two sides to the coin, right? Like, well, for instance... Yeah, let me... I just I just want to make sure that, like, when I say these differences are so minuscule, I'm not uh, trying to say that they're not important. I know. As far as, like, a, a, a person's identity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that they're not... Uh, it doesn't like you. You know, you have uh, Hispanic heritage, whereas I'm white as fuck. Um, European heritage, is what we would say. But go ahead. No, I'm white, dude. I'll tell you a little bit about my <laughs> genealogy. In a little bit, I'm American as fuck, is what my wife says. Wow. Um, I have. Any, anyways, uh, what I'm saying is that the you know your uh, genetic heritage from a Hispanic perspective versus my 
genetic heritage is like European American. I also have European though. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why you get along a little better. No, oh I'm my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh I'm just saying that like those those differences in like the color of your skin or your type of hair or whatever mm. don't don't automatically make you a bad person. Yeah. Well, or a better person. Yeah. It's what you choose to do with those things, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I like in, in the Quran God says that uh that he created us different in different of different colors and different tribes so we can know each other you know not so we could hate each other right and um and i i found you know i I guess people could see a skin color or something and decide that they don't like that person from that and that would be like the racism that destroys our 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 human web of connection yeah but i also see the side of it where there are people who are highly attracted to specific appearances you know and 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 I think that's part of the beauty of it. I mean, I I don't think that camels are the most beautiful animal I've ever seen. <laughs> but I have a I have a good bro that that drew I showed me a drawing of one that he made and I guarantee you he thinks they're freaking amazingly beautiful because of what he depicted. Cuz the way know? he drew it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, to me, you know, I, it, what I see and what I believe has nothing to do with what other people see and believe other than to know that I may or may not be thinking or feeling the same as they do. Yeah. Just enough to know what I should be careful in to like treat the other person properly, you know? Well, it, it, it kind of goes back to that deal. We were, we, you know, we kind of talked about it. It's like, uh, you know, you took the opportunity to go be homeless for a while. Um, a day, a day, uh it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing if you can kind of like take yourself out of your own mind for a minute and try to plug yourself into someone else's mind and i was trying is me and my dad you know again my dad didn't agree with everything that i had to say but i said that like I, i i was like think about it from from a perspective of you know if you get pulled over on the way home from work tonight how concerned are you that you're gonna lose your life and of course, his answer was like, "Well, not not very." And I'm like, "Okay, but you understand that there is a subset of our culture that are absolutely terrified when they get pulled over. They don't know if they'll make it through that encounter." Oh yeah, and I hate how school tries to make it seem like slavery and racism is long gone, never to be seen again. Because still going on today. It absolutely is. Yeah, there uh, are still countries that practice slavery today. Yeah, America being one of them. This, uh, there was a guy that uh, I worked with once, you know. Uh, well, I didn't work with him, but he worked at the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, a, he was a dark black man, mm-hmm. um, maybe, maybe six foot tall. Um, real nice dude. Mm-hmm. But he said he was taking a walk through a part of, I believe, Texas. And he was kind of looking for a specific place and he was kind of, I guess on a, on a wander, you know, but he was looking for a specific place and he saw some guy sitting on his front porch, you know, and he stopped and he asked him, he said, excuse me, sir. Um, do you know where the black folk hang out at? And cause he was looking for, I guess it's that kind of neighborhood. I didn't know. And, uh, the guy looks at him and says, well, uh, the last, uh, the last black person hung up, hung out right there on that tree. Jesus, you know. But 
the fact that he knew that he had to look for a black specific place and the fact that was depressing but it's real yeah you know it's real whether you know i mean i see all these statues being torn down that represent you know these mentalities i really wish they would just erect ones next to them of people that countered those mentalities the funny thing is, and I, I, I got in an argument with my, my dad over this, and he was upset about it, was uh, I said these statues should have never been put up in the first place. And I said, you know that you know, one of the statues that he was upset about being torn down, I, I Googled it, and I just looked it up while we were talking, and I said, Dad, that statue was erected as a response during the Civil Rights Movement. That statue has not stood there since the end of the Civil War. That statue was put up in the in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, around the time that Martin Luther King was killed. Yeah, it was they were put up a, as like an obstacle to those movements, and so I don't see any historical value in that statue. I think that we should continue to teach and talk about the history of the Civil War, and there were brave and valiant warriors on both sides of that fight. And I don't think that you should remove a Confederate flag from the grave of a Confederate soldier. Yeah. Um, but I don't see value in having a statue of, uh, I mean, I, honestly, uh, these were Americans killing Americans. I don't see the value in those statues. They bug me a little bit. And I'm not saying that I would go out and take it upon myself to tear down a statue. But there's no historical value in these things. They weren't erected. There's no time capsules in them from the Civil War or anything like that. They were put up in opposition to the Civil Rights Movement. And I don't. I think that, that fact, and that's why they're so easy to take down. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're terribly made. Yeah. I, I, you know, man, it, it's, it's weird that they have, like, you know, they took down, uh, I think it was in Virginia, they had an auction block that they removed. You know, that was there for a while. And I, I think it's weird because <coughs> we're still in that. Like, yeah. if you want to get a job, you go and you ask for permission to even try to sell yourself to them. Yeah. And then. And then they decide whether or not they're gonna. Right. And, yeah. and, and if they decide that they want to, they have to negotiate your worth. They want you to put yourself on sale or on clearance. Yeah. You know, take the lowest that you can get. And, um, and the way they let you know that is that they have a few others that are willing to be cheaper than you. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, that's a slave auction, man. Like that's a slave auction. And and the system that we live in, you know, they don't they don't sign you up for 15 years working at a place and they'll give you a a a wage that they believe you will eventually be at, you know, so that way you d- you can just kind of get your stuff in order. They keep you needing to be employed to have your things. Yeah. You know, and 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 to keep from ending up on the street where people ignore you. Right. Like yeah. they, they put you in the predicament and, and they make you feel that it's not the company that needs you, but you that needs the company. You know, they'll show you the anti-union benefits, you know, but they will not give you the union <laughs> job, you know, benefits, you know. That was probably one of the funniest experiences I ever had was <laughs> sit, sitting in that class with you and they play this anti-union video. And then you're just like, hey, bro, are you going to play the pro-union video now? or And like. You were the only person who spoke up, and I remember, it, like, the whole room was just sort of like, turned and looked at you, like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, man. You know, I, I, I hate when people give you information, 
as if they are the end of the line on the know-alls. Sure. You know, like, they almost, you know, make it seem like if they told you that you're getting the best you could get, you're going to believe them. Yeah. But I know that this world is, it runs off of money, you yeah. know, and, and the only thing between a person and money is another person. Yeah. You know. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird thing. Well, one of the things that I remember, I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and then I heard somebody talk about it. Um, I can't remember. It was um, it was an informative video of some kind, like a TED Talk or something like that. And uh, it was a, a woman speaking, and she said that uh, we've all been conditioned to not speak about the money that we're making, right? Like, you don't talk about your wages. Like, if you and I were working at Smith's, it would be inappropriate for me to say to you, um, "Hey, what are they? Uh, what are they paying you an hour?" Yeah. Right, and and you would be like, "Well, that's kind of rude." Create inequality. There. Yeah, you're not supposed to say that. Well, the reason they don't want us talking about our wages is so that I don't find out that, or you don't find out that one of us is making less than the other, and going in and be like, "Why are we not being paid the same?" And so we should be talking about those things. It's stuff that we should get out in the air, yeah. you know. And I'm again, that's uh uh to tie it back into the studio. That's why I wanted to make this a space that's available to people. I'm not going to bring in, you know, people that, uh, for, you know, to allow for hate speech or anything like that, but the space is available to people so that we can get these things out where it's like, Hey, uh, you know, uh, however you want to put it, but like, I want to get those, you know, maybe these conversations that people are having in the dark should be brought into the light. Yeah, you know, get them out in the open because those conversations uh, are empowering. The more you know, the more empowered you are. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's cool that you offer the opportunity, man. Like for people to even attempt to try to reach somebody. I mean, I feel kind of funny like doing this kind of stuff anyway because I don't think I'm interesting and I don't think I know very much and. I guess I'd have to be somewhat delusional to believe that somebody's listening to this right now or will be in the next 10 minutes. But I I have I have to believe that there's a chance that somebody that needs something will find their way to the place to get what they need. Sure. And I don't think it's coincidence that I that I'm saying something someone might hear or I'm I'm here with you in a place that you're promoting for people to do something. Right. You know, as a I don't think that lives matter as much as the minds matter, you know. I I think w- you know even when I when I eat like for instance, you know, meat in my meal or something, you know, that that being is not invalidated. It wasn't just food. It was a life um that if I think about what goats or lamb or chickens or fish um do on the planet and and do for the ecosystem if i think about you know the plants that i eat and 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 what they do for the planet you know um it creates a level of respect and a duty to me to be like them you know um you know i've I've read enough stories of of when god gets upset that people are defiling societies and, and and neighborhoods and their own families that he throws down a punishment Mm-hmm. So to me, God doesn't need my help punishing. Like God can do that by Himself. But when I look at what 
the trees are doing, when I look at what bees are doing, when I look at what, you know, the whales do, it looks like keeping life going, being actively, actively a promoter, protector, and, and participant in life. Now that, that matters, you know, and when I eat, when I eat food, I make sure that the energy that I've derived from that food is directed towards the same thing it would have done if I didn't eat it. Yeah. You know, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to avoid eating a potato because it's the roots or something, you know, not because it's, I I don't know, not because there aren't people that think that's wrong, but because I don't think it's wrong. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you were talking about having a hard time believing that people are listening. Uh, the two episodes that you've been a part of on this podcast before mm-hmm. have a total of like 67 listens. Oh, wow. Not a, hu- not a huge number, but so, you know, but I have to imagine some of those are probably, probably really like 66 because I listened to them. Uh, and then, you know, 65 because I'm sure Justin listened to them. But, uh, and, and and I've played them back recently because I was sort of getting into a place where I wanted to restart this is, is um, you know, it's a passion project. So I was excited to, I was bummed out. <coughs> I was bummed out because, uh, not because, you know, with, with Justin, with Justin finding his new relationship and like kind of moving on towards that, uh, it, I was happy for him, but also like kind of bummed out in a sense that I was like, you know, not that I'm losing someone because Justin's one of my no maintenance friends. Um, I was just bummed out that it wasn't continuing because it was sort of a whirlwind when it started. I mean, we, me and Justin were probably doing like two episodes a week sometimes. Oh just okay. getting together and bullshitting for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. And you asked me to come in and participate and, and kind of keep it inviting, I guess, with whatever you think I have to offer. What's fu- what's funny is I I've actually uh, I've been reading more. You know, there was a a big chunk of my life where I didn't read. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I, I mean I, I I could read, but I wasn't actively reading sure. to gain information or knowledge. Um, I was more focused on on people watching and deriving my information from those interactions. Sure. Um, and you know for instance you know living living in utah i have enough people that i've interacted with that are lds to the point where i can basically understand the lds religion without having to attend a church session or read their book um as it, it gets explained to you you know um but i've you know and I, I, I don't want to just bury myself strictly to the Quran, you know, even though I find a lot of wisdom and a lot of guidance in it for me. Um, and, it, it, you know, and it's not a perverse book, but I, I found myself accepting the, the challenge that God gave me to seek knowledge. And so I started working on self-development, man, and I'm reading these books about, you know, how to treat people like people and how to overlook flaws and kind of how to keep my heart at peace sure and and where to realize you know where i end and another person begins and to not be offended that i don't go further you know yeah um and it's and and, and i i guess now i have more time to care about what i say and to care about what other people are saying sure um 
you know, start reading books that other people are interested in and reading them because I'm interested in those people, not because I'm interested in the book. Though, because those people are interesting, the books are generally interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's a... Uh, there's something to be said, I think, for a continual quest for knowledge. You know, I mean, I... I have zero formal education, right, outside of high school. Um, and then, I mean, I went to basically, I'd call the Army a trade school, right? Yeah. They're not there to educate you on anything else besides your trade, whether that's infantry or truck driving or whatever. Uh, and then, like, you also are trained to be a soldier. But there's it's not classical education in the sense of, like, that formal training. Um but I haven't let that stop me. I've read all kinds of books. Um, and I mean, I read books on subjects I don't like just because it's like, well, how come? What's the reasoning behind this thought process or whatever? Like, I'm not a very good, uh, I'm not very good at medical things, right? But I have read books on medical whatever just because I was like, well, how come? Wh what's the deal with this? You know, why does my body do that? Or what is, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, there's something to be said, whether you're digging into psychology, psychiatry, uh, astrophysics, or, uh, you know, uh, even a survival manual. There's something to be said to sort of, like, garner knowledge from different places. Um, or to go out and try to find uh, just a way to expand your mind. You know, like, tra you know, they say travel broadens the mind. Yeah. Right. Well, unfortunately, I don't necessarily have the resources to travel. Uh, you know, I don't get to go see the pyramids right now. I don't get to go. Uh, my goal in life right now is I want to go to Rottenest Island in Australia and go. I want to go visit Quokas because they're cute. They're so adorable. I don't even know what that is. I'll show you a picture of it, dude, and you'll die. All it's right. my spirit animal. <laughs> it's my spirit animal, bro. So uh, they're just like they're little marsupials that live in. Uh, on on Rottenness Island, uh, in Australia, and they're the cutest little fuckers you'll ever see in your life. You know when when we talk about validating ourselves with experience, you know, I think I think it's really easy to not be a doctor. I think it's really easy to not be, you know, considering ourselves educated. Um, but I think it's really unfair to assume that any and all of that information that we don't have makes us any less than what we already are. You know, like, um, oh, wow. We've got the same color beard. Yeah, that, what's it called again? It's called a quokka. Looks like a happy part hamster, part bear. It's a, so it's basically got the face of a bear, but it's the size of a cat and the body of a kangaroo. And the ear location of a bunny rabbit. Oh yeah, they are kind of up there, huh? Yeah. 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 But so they're they're considered the happiest animal on earth. Yeah, Ooh. I'd eat it. Look at that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think they're <laughs> they're just, just so cute. So there's there was like a, a there was like a, a deal that like swept the internet at one point. I don't know swept the internet. I don't know why it never took off like other things would. But uh, there were people that would you know, befriend these quokas in the wild and then they'd get them to take a selfie with them and they're always smiling. They look like they're always smiling. They look happy. Yeah. They look happy. And I'm, I kind of wonder if like maybe that's actually the face of depression. Like it's bummed out that it has to eat leaves and sticks, but there it is. 
maybe so depressed it's like a forced smile it's hard to say because we don't so uh maybe when you meet when they'll try to sell you a car and you'll know why they were smiling (laughs) 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 i'm excited man like i want to go see him i don't know when i'll I'll get to do it the other thing i'd like to try to figure out how to do and this is probably going to sound dumb to you because you were a trucker at one point but uh i like have you ever seen the road trains in australia no. So they're they're just what they are is they're big ass trucks that haul uh like a set. But it's a set of like three or four uh I don't know how big they're allowed to get, but they'll haul like three or four fifty three foot trailers. Wow. And they're called road trains. And they have like special rules to operate and like some parts of Australia don't allow them to operate and that kind of thing. But they're huge and these trucks are like like these trucks are big. That's a lot of responsibility, man, because yeah. when you look in your mirror, when you're even pulling like a set of triples or doubles, it's a little bit deceptive. Like, you know what I mean? You're not. Well, and these guys, these guys haul these road trains, these big ass truck and trailers. They're not like generally on the highway. Yeah. They're hauling across like corrugated uh, dirt roads and like through rivers and shit. Wow. Um, I was watching this. Um, yeah, get a look oh, at wow, the look, that's crazy. look at this fucking thing. That's uh what would you say? Three fifty three foot trailers? That's intense. But like it really it's hard to scale, but like if you compared this to an American Kenworth that we would see around here, the American Kenworth is probably like two foot shorter than wow. that truck. Like that's a big truck. I mean this guy right here, he's got four trailers. One, two, three, four, yeah. Wow. Why do you have a cow catcher? Like you can't be going that fast. It's that. it's because they're hitting kangaroos. Oh no! And shit. Well, I mean, they hit they like they hit livestock. It happens. So I mean, those these trucks will do. Uh, the guy said a hundred kilometers, which is right about sixty miles an hour. And uh, or the, or the one lady was talking about it. But it, it there's a docu uh, not a documentary, but like a mini series on Netflix. That's a lot of responsibility, man. He's got four fuel tankers right there, and he's placarded. So that's See how heavy that is. Those wheels. He has one, two, three, three axles per section, dude. Look at that. Yeah, his his dolly, his converter dollies have three axles. How many wheels is that, bro? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two axles. Twenty-two axles. Twenty-two axles, which is uh, times four. An 88-wheeler. An 88-wheeler. That's crazy. Look at this guy. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven trailers, dude. That's a that's a gold mine truck right there. And you can tell it's a gold mine truck because he doesn't have the standard uh, cow catcher. So he never really leaves the mine in that truck. But it's, it's just one of them deals where, I mean, look at this thing. This one actually kind of shows you the scale. You can kind of see the scale on this. Now, the typical cattle hauler in the United States is they're generally two levels, yeah. three levels. That's intense. You want to pull one of them, huh? I want to drive a road train. That sounds cool. I don't know that there's a way that you could go to like Australia and make it part of your vacation to drive a road train, but I'm at least gonna touch one. You have to get like a a worker's visa or something. Well, there's got to be like you could fly to the United States and hop in a NASCAR. Like if you're willing to pay the the three hundred bucks for the class or whatever, yeah, you get to drive a NASCAR car around the track. There's got to be something like that. If there's not, there should be. You know what's crazy? Is Listen up, ma- Australia. Yeah, l- l- just think <laughs> of how many potential jobs. I mean, first of all, it's got to burn a lot of fuel doing that. 
and and I just wonder how many truck drivers are out of work because of that, or how badly they need the job. The thing is, is that Australia is struggling to find truck dr- truck drivers, so same oh. as the United States. So this is out of need, not out of well, greed. it's. I think a part of it is about their engine. Like the Australians are weird, right? They're like the Texas of England. You know what I'm saying? Kind of. Like I, I haven't met that many Australians. I always think they have a cool accent, though. When like they speak the, English. Yeah. Olivia Newton John was so freaking amazing, dude. The uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> the it's it's just sort of like the way they figured out to solve their problem is like, well, like we can't find anybody who wants to drive out there, but this one guy. So why don't we just throw an extra trailer on him? Yeah. You know what I mean? And there, there's one uh, episode in that. Uh, it's called Outback Truckers on Netflix. Uh, and there's a couple episodes where this guy named Steve is uh, struggling to get to uh, he's delivering for the first time these aboriginal uh, tribes are going to get electricity. But he's in a rush to get to them because there's only a certain amount of time in the year that the water is in such a way that they can make deliveries with these trucks. So he has to like barge this container that's got all the like solar panels and the generators and stuff. Um, and it's on his it's on his road train. Um, but he's only hauling the one trailer, so it's technically not a road train or whatever, but he's got to barge it. Maybe it's, he he was hauling two trailers, I think, at one point, and then he left one because he'd made the delivery. But so he's, like, in, in a rush, and, and, like, he was super passionate about the project, and I got the, I got the impression from watching the video that, like, I'm not going to make a lot of money delivering this, but I'm going to change these people's lives, and that's really important to me. And at one point, between barges, he gets stuck on a sandy road. And this dude is used to just doing shit on his own. Like, he doesn't ever ask for help. He just, like, tries to solve all of his own problems. So whenever he's stuck or broke down, he just gets out and just starts working until he's either not stuck or broke down. And so he's, like, on this trail between the barge location and the village where he's delivering one of these containers with the solar panels and stuff. And he gets, they call, everything's bogged. So, like, if you get stuck, you're bogged. Okay. But then they also have like a dry bog. So he gets so if you get stuck in sand and not mud, it's a dry bog instead of a bog. Oh, so there's variety. Yeah. Okay. So he gets stuck in this sand road and his thing is like, Okay, so I know that I need to reduce my tire pressure to get my truck out of this sand or whatever. So he hooks up this intricate system he's designed to lower all of his tire pressures all at the same time and run it off the compressor on the truck and all that kind of stuff. So he's letting air out of the tires. And, like, some of the tribesmen are trying to use this road to get back and forth between the barge location and, and the village or whatever. And he's, like, heartbroken. He's, like, and I'll try to do his accent, but he's, like, you know, it, it, it's frustrating that I come out here and I'm trying to really help these people. And uh, now I'm just blocking up their only road. <laughs> and I feel I feel shit for doing it. I, I'm bummed out that, you know, they've had to wait for me. Uh, I can hear... You know, that truck back there, I don't think it's got any air con in it. And the kids are upset in the back seat, and they're stuck behind me. <laughs> and so he ends up like he stops working on his truck. He doesn't go and ask this guy who's driving, you know, he's driving a 4x4 pickup. He probably could have gave him a, a little tug or whatever and tried to get the, his truck moving. He doesn't do anything like that. He just sort of like, you know, hey, I'll help, I'll help guide you around. You know, if you want to go out uh, off the road, I'll help you around. You know, I wish I wish we... I don't know, man. I, I could I could see myself. I wish my like my 
there's a there's like two parts of me, two voices. You know, one is the motivational, keep trying, don't give up. It's hard, but it's worth it. And then there's the other voice, you know, that is more along the lines of, who the hell do you think you are? Why does it matter what you think? Why does it matter what you say? Just give up now. You know, you're never gonna get anything. Right. I wish that voice was Australian accent. Yeah. Because wouldn't I, it be easier to get along with yourself if you had a cool accent in your mind? Sure. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I could I could see myself being harassed and mistreated by a police officer with an Australian accent and not complaining about it. Yeah, it wouldn't be so bad, right? No, I'd just be fascinated the whole time. If he's you'd like, have my undivided attention. I might. Get out of the car, would you? Yeah. You'd be like, yeah. No, I think I will get out of the car. That's a good point. <laughs> you, right. What you're saying makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what's the deal, huh? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing in this side of the neighborhood this this time of night, riding on that bike? Yeah. I don't know. You can't be offended. Yeah, man. you can't even be mad. No, you're like, yes. That's why. Uh, do you know who Jim Jim Jeffries is? Uh. Uh-uh. He's a famous comedian. Uh, he had a bit about gun control that was pretty funny. And uh, I'm a gun guy, right? So I mean, it's it's hard to you know uh, even admit it, but uh, his his bit on gun control is hilarious, okay. and he makes a lot of really good points. And he says something along the lines of like, uh, he's like, you don't need to come out here and tell me that there's like a political reason for you to have these. All you got to do is be honest. Just say, hey, I like guns. <laughs> I mean, at least that's a good answer. That's something I can get behind. <laughs> you know, not these other weird reasons you've got, but. You know, I like guns. Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, he was like made famous by his gun control comedy. And I'm a gun guy, and I watch it and I laugh. Wow. I think it's funny. Yeah. You know, I'm also. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not the gun guy that like if you walk up and you're like, hey, bro, I think the government should take your guns. I'm not the dude who responds with, yeah, okay. Well, they can have them when they're co- you know they'll be hot and empty when they get them. Oh, wow. Not that guy. That's you know, intense, I'm sure yeah. you've heard guys say that. Uh, no, that's the first time I've heard it. But I've Is heard, it? I, yeah, oh. well, exactly what you said. But I, but I've heard people say stuff like they can prime from me or something. Prime from my cold dead fingers, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I've, I, you know, and I hear that stuff, and it's like, the funny thing is, is I look at what just took place in like uh, Seattle and Washington, right, uh, where they set up that uh, that like no cop zone. Right, but the protesters, the rioters did. They put up the the no cop zone, and then uh, and then you see the Department of Homeland Security deploy these like unbadged, unlabeled mercenaries. Mercenaries, basically, they came out and they start abducting people. I won't even call it arrested. They were abducting people and taking them away and locking them up with like no reason, no rhyme, and then just letting them out arbitrarily. Uh, of all the people in the world who should have been upset by that, it should have been gun people. Because the you hear the gun people talk about, oh, the government's coming for me, the government's coming for me. The government went for people. Where were you? The same place, the cameraman or lady of that that guy that was... George Floyd was his name, wasn't it? Jordan, yeah, George Floyd. Yeah, Just standing by. Standing by watching. on a smartphone watching a man be killed yeah all i can think is all your brain has to do to to make you active is think it could be your mom could be your dad your uncle your neighbor your friend you know it could be a doctor you know if you can put a value to that person your life doesn't mean as much you know without them and and yeah but but it's not like I said before, it's not about that stuff, man. Like, think about this. Dude. You raise your kid. You teach your kid for the first five years of their life. Don't talk to strangers. 
Yeah. Okay. Then you send your kid to a building to go hang out with a stranger. Yeah. A stranger you don't even know. It's not like you interviewed them and find out what their background is and did mm -hmm. a. You assume the building and the people who run the building did that for you. We hope. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you drop your kid off, and then your kid starts acting up, won't stop crying, so they call you. What is it that they expect you to do? Tell your kid to listen to a stranger. You yeah. Know? After after we do so much stranger stranger danger intervention. Right. Yeah. You know. So then you're you're told to do this thing. Or to be cute, or to shake their hand, you know. Yeah. And we can't. We're, we're countered. We're countering ourselves, you know. Um, I just think, you know, don't just put, just don't put anything in your mouth, you know. And then you see the school offering them lunches that they don't explain. Yeah. It's just, it's what you eat. That's it. But they have no idea what they're eating. I can't remember who said it, but there's a funny. I don't know if it's a comedian or. Uh a modern day philosopher, but I remember somebody saying something like, uh, we spend the first two years of a child's life trying to get them to walk and talk. And then we spend the, the next, uh, 12 years telling them to sit down and shut up. It's yeah, confusing. absolutely. I think, uh, I think my biggest thing, I'll tell you, I mean, the, the really the reason why I never got into college and stuff was because school was fucking miserable for me. It was absolutely just, it just sucked. And, uh, I mean, now I hear, you know, I, my wife is college educated. She has a master's degree and a bachelor's of science and, uh, nutrition and, and then a master's degree in athletic training. And I hear her stories of college and like, I've seen her exchange of like emails and stuff between her and her professors. And I was like, why the fuck wasn't school like that? If school had been like that, if I could have gone in and been like, I have no interest in talking about math. Math is not my jam. I fucking hate it. Uh, but if I could have focused on, like, history or philosophy or uh, natural sciences or whatever, I would have done so much better in school if I could have. And you know what? I probably would have, if you'd have told me that, like, hey, you know, you're good at this science, but the next step of the science is you got to start to understand some math, then I probably would have gone after those math classes in a different perspective and then maybe actually wanted to participate. And not just been fucking bored out of my mind. Like, wh who, when the fuck am I ever going to measure a triangle yeah. ever in my adult life? Well, well, school to me seems to be a weapon to get us to be against ourselves, right? Like, I think they make education seem so formal and uninteresting and right-removing that we don't want to learn anything. I know how many kids I've met, you know, or my son, you know, when they come home from school, they're like, man, I already went to school. I don't want to learn anything. But but you didn't learn anything because if you didn't learn how to learn, right? You, then you were indoctrinated. Like, that's what you went through. And Well, and there's, no, there's nobody saying that to the children in the schools. Right. Like, all they teach you is you need to know this for the next exam. But they don't say – what they don't say is we're trying to show you how to learn. You know, like one of the things that I picked up, I didn't pick this up till I was later in my science class. I love science. science. Science was a big thing. Like that was the only reason I wanted to go to school was to do science, right? And I sort of got that passion stamped out of me. You know, they were just sort of, um, you know, and I don't know that this is the case across the country, but I mean, there wasn't enough money for them to run a damn Bunsen burner in our fucking classroom. Yeah. So I never really got to experience the just sort of like, setting up your own experiment uh, experiment 
to, to find an answer to a question you have until I got into like uh, the 11th grade. I think I had a really cool, a really awesome biology teacher. And I wish I remembered her name. Uh, and we did like a life science. We talked about evolution and um, different like classes and, and, and things for like the animal kingdom and stuff like that. Right. We talked about all these different creatures. And I happened to have like at one point we were talking about like birds. So I had a bird and I brought her into class and showed the class, you know, a bird. Uh, and then I had a turtle. So I brought my turtle into class and I showed my turtle to the class. And then, uh, so, but it was cool to finally like participate in science. And then she showed us ways to design experiments to answer questions we had. And the thing that stuck with me was she was like, this isn't the only experiment that will answer that question. You can design a different experiment. And that shit, I was like, oh my God. Why, why was all the rest of the science that I thought I was doing so damn boring when now, now all of a sudden it's like, it's not just about what it is that I'm studying, but there's like an adventure in designing that experiment. Sure. Yeah. That's a frustrating thing. I, uh, like I hear Elon Musk, Elon Musk is talking about the school that he's developed for his children and he's hired educators and things to, to work with his children. And he started like an Elon Musk school or whatever. And I hear about that, and, like, there is no letter grade. You're not trying to get an A. It's teaching them how to learn in like a different Montessori way. Montessori type stuff? I don't know, specifically. I'd have to. There's a little sort of, like, mini documentary on it or something where he talks about it, and uh, they kind of delve into it a little bit. School seems like a waste of time to me, man. And, and not, not because you can't learn something there. You can learn something everywhere. Sure. But because the method it is is you're stupid until you come here. Like yeah, that, that's the exactly. marketing tool, right? Like yeah. nobody left behind because if you didn't come to this school, you're an idiot. The and uh, you know when I think of college, people go to college. Yeah, they learn this stuff. They get a degree. They do an internship. And what's the first thing that happens when you go get the job? You get trained for two to three weeks. Yeah. So school didn't train you. It's not like you're just gonna be a plug and play. You know. You went there, and I guess they just got you doused with enough information that when they throw some of it at you, you have a frame of reference. But it Yeah. But they do that with all school, and I'm like, <coughs> just give me the crap I care about, dude. Like, I don't really care about anything else. Well, you know? if someone had sat me down, and I have a learning disability. I have ADHD, and I still, I still deal with that as an adult. And yeah. so it's no longer a learning disability. It's almost like a functioning disability where, like, if I'm not actively working against that disability, then I can, I, I struggle at work. There's things that I don't do that I need to do. Um, because it'll slip my mind or whatever due to my ADHD. Um, if someone had sat me down and said, look, um, it's not important that when you turn 30, that you remember that the war of 1812 was fought in the year of 1812. That's not important that you remember that. It's not important that you remember that the French burned down the White House at one point, and it was originally the Brown House, and when we rebuilt it, they happened to paint it white, and that's why it got called the White House. Like, none of those facts are actually important. But what's important is that you understand how to find the facts you're looking for. Right. I would have been like, oh, shit, this is a game I can play. Like, if you want to, like, like, Albert Einstein was terrible at math until he discovered algebra. And then it was sort of like this, this game of, like, i got to find X. You know, yeah. or, or why, or whatever. Like, I can't remember the the exact equation that really got Albert uh, Albert Einstein uh, involved in the the math that he got involved in, but it became a hunt for him. And if somebody had made it a game for me, I probably would have done a lot better in school. Yeah. But 
I also, I like to look back and laugh at some things in the sense that um, I had, uh, I had a couple of girlfriends in high school that, and it happened to me a couple of times where they were like, you're not going anywhere. So I'm going to end this relationship. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not going anywhere? And they're like, well, you're not dedicated to school. You don't have plans for college. You don't have your entire adult life, education, and career mapped out already. You have no resume. Yeah. And so <laughs> these girls, yeah, I had no resume. <laughs> these girls were like 4.0 students. They were always on the honor roll. Like, I'd hang out with them while they studied, but I didn't really study. I was just sort of like fucking around or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, so I remember the one girl, uh, she, in fact, there were uh, three different girls that basically this happened with and they all pretty much had similar dreams and goals and they had it planned out like I'm going to do really super well in high school and when I leave here I'm going to apply to the academy and the academy is going to accept me and then I'm going to be uh, I'm then going to serve in the military as an officer and I will retire as a four star general like that was like their goal Intense. yeah I was in an ROTC unit so those were the girls I interacted with but they were like this is what I'm going to fucking do. I'm going to go to this academy. I'm going to get into West Point. I'm going to do this. Uh, I was like, I'm, um, I'll see what happens. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't want to saddle myself down because maybe I don't want to do th- something in the future that we talked about now. Yeah. And so, like, I was never really tied down, and there was never really, like, a burden or a stress on me that, like, I have to get this fucking 4.0 because if I don't, the academy won't accept me. And if I can't get into the academy, I'm not getting into West Point. And if I can't get into West Point, I won't become a general. Like, I never had that stress. Right. And so I've talked to, I haven't talked to all three of them, but I've talked to two of them uh, in the years after high school. And both of those girls that I talked to, they burned out. They got out of high school, got into the academy, made it like a year and a half into the academy, and were like, fuck it, I'm done. This is stupid. Fuck off. Like, just, they just burned out. They, you know, they burned up too much of their fuel. You know, with video games, I've had that experience, man, where, like, you know, I start out playing the game, trying to get all the accolades that you can acquire, all the extras, the secrets, the bonus. And and I remember getting to, like, level three or four, you know, basically, and not giving a damn anymore. Like, it was... Yeah, it wasn't out. It wasn't the game anymore. It was... It's become a chore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and when education was that way for me, too, you know, I, I think... I think one of my most favorite experiences has been as a Muslim um, because it's not in in competition with anyone man like I'm doing this so that I can be in sync with what's happening around me yeah and I can either be a a positive influence or a negative one um, and I'd rather do it mindfully I don't I don't want to just drone through it you know yeah um, I, I, I when people tell me how many accolades they have, they went to this school, they got this degree, they've had these many jobs. I kind of hear, you know, that the grown-ups in peanuts, man. Wow, 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 wow. Like, I'm, I'm so happy. You Good for you, bro. Right? You know, <laughs> I don't have any stickers on me, but if I did, it'd be a gold star I'd give you because you need it. But for me, it's 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 more what the meaning is, you know. It's, yeah. It's, I, I didn't get... I wish all they taught me was subtraction, dude, because in life, all you do is give what you earn away. Yeah. Like, like somebody else. Subtraction is all I needed. 
Yeah. Unless you want to do division, because sometimes I, I have to subtract it and give it to two different groups. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Y- you know, I, I, I feel like... Well, you're beat over the head with the pag- p- Pythagorean theorem, but they really should have been talking about how to pay our taxes. Yeah, dude. How to fill out a 10, 1040 easy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, when they talk about, you know, desegregation of the public school system in the U.S., they don't promote this, that the white people that were in positions of power to, to have these schools developed, the, the white schools, right? Sure. And, and again, w- white as a mind, as a mentality, not necessarily skin color, though it was a skin color then. Sure. Um, they were teaching their kids the same te- things that the white people would be teaching, um, you know, a racist. They, they, they were teaching these mentalities. Sure. So what they caused was black people and people that were not white to fight to be educated in these schools that were teaching how to hate people that were not white and black. Like if I, I don't know why we're shocked that there there are black people hurting black people or people that are not white believing that they're less than or a matter of fact our entire society now is peppered with it like everyone hates hates themselves and someone else you know and i'm like if what what do you expect like if if they're killing if they're killing black people mentally at the school of that white people are learning things sure what do you think is going to happen when you send your kid there yeah like you know, it's not like we're we're educating ourselves on how not to be racist. Mm-hmm. We're we're not educating people on how to feel sorry. We're not educating people on you know, on 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 the basics of human essence. You know, yeah. We're educating them to go get that money. I always felt bad when I was in school, and they'd say, "You don't want to end up flipping burgers." And I knew my buddy two chairs down's mom worked at McDonald's. Yeah, you're always yeah. like. That's Ouch. how that's how his family eats, dude. Like, yeah, and I, and that and that person that says that on the way home from work, where do they stop? They're gonna stop and get burgers, right? Yeah. Thank God, there's a guy who decided to flip burgers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should be fighting for them to get paid more. Well, even if we all got, I mean, if if we made it a full ride scholarship, everybody can get into Harvard, and we all go to Harvard, and every single person in the United States had a PhD in astrophysics. Somebody still got to take out the garbage. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, and ironically enough, the dude taking out the garbage is getting paid more than the nurse who works in the hospital that made the garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy, bro. I right? love a I love a good trade school story, dude. Where it's like, like my wife. Uh, fortunately, her parents were financially well off and paid for a lot of her schooling. Uh, but she's had to pay for some of it herself as well. So she spent that money, and so she's fifty thousand dollars in debt, and you know, making X dollars per hour. I have zero student loans, zero student debt, and I'm making X squared. You know what I mean? I think the whole idea of, first of all, they have to make it seem like you need the college education to be educated. Right. Okay. And then they make you feel like you have, in order to have that, you have to pay them. And in order to pay them that or or be willing to pay them that, you have to believe you're going to make more than that. Yeah. And all I think it is is uh, a forced. But we're empo- not allowed to talk about our income, right? But it's a forced <laughs> employment, though, right? Think about it. Like if if me and you both apply for the same job, uh huh, you have a degree and I just have life experience. Yeah, and you're fresh out of college and I'm doing just fine. Yeah, 
they're going to hire you first because oh, totally. you can't leave. <laughs> you yeah. owe money. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? That's a good perspective. <laughs> but I've also experienced the opposite where a guy with more education than me lost the job because I had more experience than him. I shouldn't say lost the job, but I, I got the promotion and he didn't because his education looked good on paper, but my experience looked better in real life. Yeah. I've had that happen to me uh, at the company I work for now. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and maybe my industry is weird in that sense. You can go places without formal education where I'm at. Yeah. You know, but, uh, hey, I hate to, uh, I hate to kind of close things up because this is, this is a lot of fun, but I'm just about out of time for my scheduled time. It's all right, man. We're out of time. Yeah. And I feel bad because we were going to work on your show. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. We're working, we're, we're just working at being ourselves and things line up when they're supposed to, man. Well, we're, we're, uh, we're going to have a schedule. We're going to start kind of working towards that schedule and we'll keep it fluid because that's how both of you and I are both kind of fluid dudes in the sense that like. Only when I pee myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're fluid in the sense that, uh, n- you know, a schedule doesn't necessarily have to bind us to whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah, so, yeah. but, uh, you know, hey, just to anyone listening, again, uh, you know, coronavirus has been kind of throwing everything off, so I haven't really been inviting people. Um, I do have some sanitation uh, policies in place right now. I'm using uh, the proper cleansers and things in the studio, antivirals and stuff like that, rubbing alcohol. Uh, to make this a safe space, the studio is available to people that either, you know, if you want to come on as a guest, maybe you have interest, something interesting you want to share. Whether you're a tow truck driver or a urologist, let's talk. Uh, you can reach out at novadodgestudios at gmail.com, N-O-V-A-D-O-D-G-E studios at gmail.com. Uh, if you liked what you heard, share it with a friend. We don't have a, there's not a Twitter for this or anything like that, just the email address for the studio. Because this is just sort of like a side side project. My project is getting other people on the air. Sounds cool. Okay, man. All right, Thanks so much for coming. I, I loved seeing you again. It's been too long. Well, hopefully, we'll get to hear from Justin here. We'll bring him in as a special guest. Hey, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't talk about it a little bit, but I do want to mention that we are going to expand the studio. I'm going to put in uh, basically like a – we're going to knock this whole wall down, push straight out to that other door, and then right there is going to be like a like a therapist's office. Sounds cool, man. Yeah. All right. Okay, bro. So, see you next time, man. Peace. Oh, wait. Salam. Salam? Yeah. Okay.